Hey, have you ever thought about starting your own 5K, what that would be like, and all the challenges and joys that go along with it? I think this episode will be right up your alley if so, or even if you're just curious about how they put together a small 5K and how it builds and grows every year. Uh, this is definitely catered to a smaller town, a place that maybe hasn't had a race before, and um, how to find people and put it together. So without further ado, let's get started. The Running Anthropologist. We are available on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, which happens to feature a few of the videos from the race we are talking about today, as well as our Running Anthropologist Facebook page, where you can link to videos and the episodes, and also on Instagram. You can share a picture and like us there. As we get started, all things bared, this episode is special for me because it was the first time I got to run a 5k that my little sister actually organizes in Beaverton, Michigan. And she and another young woman who do lots of great stuff in the community had this idea to put this race together. And they've done everything from scratch, you know, very creative and very insightful just talking to them about how they learned, how they did things, how it's grown. And well, I'm just really proud of them. So let's get started. So please note that this episode is actually put together between two separate interviews, one on race day and then one a follow-up phone call because I simply couldn't remember all the things I wanted to ask or there was too much going on to ask them. And I hope that you enjoy it. I tried to put it together to have the best flow and be the most uh, connected to all the topics. Thanks again. All right, and we're here live just after the sixth annual Beaverton 5K. It's the first 5K that is in this town, and it's a really beautiful run, as well as bringing a lot of people together. This is the biggest of them all with over 200 runners, and I will allow Kelsey Redman and Katie Mercer to tell you the rest of the story. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, my name's Kelsey. Um, we, Katie and I joined forces six years ago, and um, Katie had the idea of starting a 5K for our small town, and that's what we did. And ever since, it's taken off since and has been a huge success. Great. Yeah. So we started the race um, back in 2013 and never really had much idea of how big the race was going to be. Just kind of started and ran with it um, and took these suggestions and improvement opportunities that all of our registrants gave us. And every year has just kind of grown larger and larger. And I think that the way that this one fell with the fourth and not in, you know, interfering with the holiday too much um we had the like he said the biggest number of participants that we've had with over 200 so that was really exciting so one thing we didn't mention is that it's always fourth of july weekend the firecracker 5k um, however some years it falls on the fourth of july this year it fell a few days after which is which was somewhat good probably mm -hmm. um what was the hardest thing when you first started the 5k what was the most challenging and what what things did you, well, wish I had known kind of stuff? 
So I think that there's a lot of bits and pieces that go into planning an event like this that you don't realize until the day of the event. So for us, our biggest challenge was figuring out how to time the event. Um, it, to book a chip timer or a race timer seems to be about a year in advance. So when we were first huh. starting, that was something we kind of had to learn. And we found somebody kind of by mistake and have used him every year since because it was so well our first year. So that was, that's pretty exciting. So timing and like the start and finish shoot, that's sure. the logistics, that's the tough part. How, how about like advertising and getting something like this off the ground? Is it, was that difficult to get the word out? So Kelsey and I both work full time. We're both moms, we're both wives. So we're very busy outside of the firecracker. Um, and every year, right now we finish the race, we look at each other and say, next year we're gonna advertise more, get it out, <laughs> get it to races before the event. And unfortunately time always seems to get ahead of us. Uh -huh. And then it gets to be January and we look at each other and go, oh my goodness, we gotta buckle down because we've got a, a race to plan. So um, we, we're going to be better one of these mm -hmm. years at flyers and advertisement outside of Facebook. Facebook seems to be our primary platform right now, mm -hmm. just because we can both do it from our phone sure. with our families. So. And the other way you mentioned was you try to get it out to other races in the area. Ideally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our neighboring uh, cities and whatnot, when they have their 5Ks, uh, we try to get ours. Uh, flyers and race forms out there sitting out so people know and we're a small town and not a lot of people know that there is a 5k here but every year more and more people are joining so just saying oh I didn't know you did this we'll come back next year and a so. huge shout out we had three people from Russia here wow. today running our event yes which was pretty <laughs> exciting so and um, we had some Florida people and then uh, Minnesota is another one so they're nice. they come here to vacation and they don't mind running the race while they're here so I have to admit, you guys have probably the coolest swag that I've seen at a small 5K. <laughs> the shirts are awesome. The medals were really cool. I'll, I'll be putting pictures of those on, on the Facebook page and the website. Um, where did you find them and how did you, you know, it seems like they've gotten better and better over the last five years. How did you come to find and design what you had? So we actually have a local girl who runs a shop here in Glavin County called Main Street Designs. and. She is really good about working with us, listening to what we want, but then taking it and, and using her creativity to give us ideas. Because Kelsey and I aren't in that space. We aren't like the most creative. We just have like a vision of kind of what we want. And then she runs with it. So we got to give her credit. So the other question and something that you guys mentioned to me is that there are a few other things about how to get people involved so that you're not doing all the work. How did, how did that work and why has that made it a success? So going like we tried to pull as many like volunteers um, in to help. You know, we we're a small, small town, but when people want to help, they're pretty good at helping. But for the most part, we have our base of five people that come back every year and do all the work. Um, and it's nice when we get fresh hands on to help volunteer because uh, you know, we don't keep this money that we earn. It always goes back to this county somehow. Um, okay. Either to we're trying to earn a scholarship for a student or help with sports funding and that sort of stuff. So when the more people we get hands on, the better the race is, the more we can make. And yeah, the more you can do next year. Yep, exactly. I, I noticed that there are a lot of there was good marking and good people at all the turns that knew like right where to send people. Did you have people on ATVs on their bikes? Like how did how did they get around the course? Motorcycles and ATVs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And, and I would say over half of it was country road and woods. Mm -hmm. So did you have to go out and do anything to prep the course or? Um, Two it's, of our guys actually ran the course at 5.30 this morning. Okay. Um, just to make sure there was no big hiccups or bumps in the roads that were going to cause any issues or we needed to change course last minute. Nice. So we sent them out at 5.30 to run it and double check the rain didn't cause too much puddle, mud, mess back in the trail portion of it. So that kind of is our, our eyes on the trail before the event. So. Nice. And do you guys have to buy everything that I saw here, like the water, the bananas, the the goodies or do you get those donated or how does um, that work the local grocery store donated um fruity family foods donated the bananas and cookies mid michigan health donated the bottles of water um and we, we did have some sponsors too so with the sponsorships we uh purchase extra things that we need throughout so um i mean most everything is from donation but we try to that's awesome yeah. well i have to say it was really well put together you guys had more than enough and adding in some a lot of water and a fun run at the end. Yes. Um, yeah, what, that was new this year. That was new this so, yeah, year. We had never done a one-mile fun run. We had had it in the suggestions a couple of times to do it, and we just had to t we had to get to the point that we could like logistically plan it out and make sure that it was going to be worth the effort to to organize an event. And I think it absolutely was, and definitely something we're going to continue in the future. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. the kids and the parents loved that. Loved it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And when it brought out a lot of new faces, too, that maybe three miles is a little bit more than they ever trained for or ever want to do. Mm -hmm. So that one-mile distance brought a lot of new faces, which was really nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I like that, too, the popsicles at the end and everything. <laughs> um, so next year I hear you may be moving it a little bit earlier because it, it has been hot here and growing hotter in, in Michigan. Well, and a lot of it is the on the 4th of July. So the 4th of July falls on a Saturday next year. And okay. we shoot for the morning, a Saturday morning around the 4th every year. So with the 4th falling on our Saturday race day, there is a um, parade in town at 11 a.m. Okay. So it is important for us to get out of the way prior to parade lineup so that we don't cause any safety issues between the parade and our participants. So we're going to probably shoot for like a 7.30 start time next year so that we can be done and cleaned up and out of the way and get everybody done before the parade. So. I feel like there's a balancing act between those serious runners who want to run really early before it's hot and then families who don't want to get up that early. So there's like yes. that really that soft zone, 730, 8 o'clock. That's like, ah, how early can we make it to still get people to come out? Right. Absolutely. And that's another challenge, too, you know, is uh, we want to involve as many people as we can. So we don't want to discourage people coming saying, oh, it's too early. It's too serious. But then we don't want people to think eh, it's just a fun run. I want to race for time. So we're trying to meet in the middle and make, you know, the competitors compete and the fun ones here to have a blast. So about some of the nuts and bolts that I think some people planning a race might not know about or might not have thought about. How, how did you decide on what to charge and, you know, how to, how to collect the fees? Is, was there a registration app or was there some, something that you guys caught on to early on that helped you decide? So um, Katie and I both have participated in multiple 5Ks um, in the central Michigan area. So we kind of just based it on um, what others were charging and what you got out of that race. You know, whether if it was just a t-shirt, a finisher medal, um, and how it was timed. So looking around our area, we wanted to keep it within that price range. So um, since day one that we started, it's always been $25.00. Um, entry fee and you get your t-shirt and finisher medal and bib and that also helps pay for the timer 
Um, and then on June 1st, we always bump the price up to $30 just to take into consideration. Um, we may have to do a last minute order for t-shirts and, you know, to, we try to accommodate everyone that signs up so they can get, you know, the goodies. Um, as far as like an app, we use run sign up and active, um, and we just kind of bounce back and forth to see which one is going to suit us for that year. So that's been very, um, helpful, um. Katie sticks to, um, she's the one that has the login information and only one of us does that side. So we're not, you know, double booking or anything like that. So she's the hands-on on that end of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Organizationally, you know, to kind of divvy out duties and have one person responsible for one area. Um, is, are there fees involved with those services? Do you, um, do they collect something in addition to that registration fee? Yes, I do believe um, they have a $2, $2.50 transaction fee, okay. um, and they do state that on their site, you know, uh, it's $30 for the race, and then there's a $32, or I'm sorry, a $2 uh, fee to process everything, so, um, and that goes straight to the website or link that they're using, so we don't, we don't see that side of it coming into our bank rack. <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty efficient at that. And then do you know this is a timer, then use that directly from the website? Can they print it or do they download it or something like that? Yep. So the timer that we use, he also has access to that. So once it gets closer to race time, um, he can go in and see how many runners we're at. And um, him and Katie work together in assigning bibs and then making sure that, you know, the names are correct with the bib numbers. Nice. That sounds like a really good system. Um, definitely a lot of communication with whoever's doing your timing in that, in that process. Um, um, so I, I also wanted to ask you about the, the route. Like, how, how did you make it and, you know, what, what did you have to do with the city to get it approved? Um, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So the city from day one has always been very um, on board with our uh, our run. So bringing it to the excited to have that. So they basically said, we're, you know, wherever you need roadblocks, wherever you need us, um, you just let us know and we'll help out. So they were amazing to work with. Um, as far as figuring the route, we wanted to see a little bit of the city, but then we wanted to show, you know, our hometown Beaverton, the countryside of it too. So um, mixing in the trail and everything, it literally just worked out perfect to have a perfect loop go all the way through town and back around and having it be the 3.1 miles. So it, it was almost meant to be to have a race here in Beaverton. Yeah, it's a great, and, and while it doesn't actually go past Amish uh, homesteads or anything, driving out mm -hmm. to it, you know, to Beaverton, it's, it's right in the middle of Amish country, so it's really beautiful um, yes. territory. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like a third city, a third country road, and a third cross country. Is that about right? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. That's really well planned. That's, that's really cool uh, uh, planning. Now, did you have to pay for the time of the officers or anything like that um, with the city? Nope. Um, it was all... Um when we have the officers and everything, they're on duty and they basically just kind of are on standby there. So if they did get an emergency call, they would have to leave. 
Um, but they were just there to, you know, let our runners know they're here to help us if needed. Sure. Um, along with our, we had an EMT a couple of years back. They parked the ambulance there. So that was nice to comforting, you know, for the runners to know that, you know, help is there if needed. Um, and it's pretty unique because we have uh, another volunteer, Renee. Her husband is an EMT, so he helps coordinate, you know, the times and who could be there. Um, you know, so a small community, we're very blessed as to everyone kind of has an outlet to bring everyone else together and, you know, put the whole event together. Yeah, that, that is awesome. I, I think that one of those planning pieces that a lot of people would have to do is at least pay the hourly wage of a few officers, you know, if, if they needed them there. So that's, that's right. really cool that the city kind of donates them for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what other donations would you say were really essential for you guys being a success, um, um, kind of going into each year? So I believe, um, our main like partner that we work with and is the Beaverton activity center. You know, that was established five or six years ago and it's just been a huge, um, you know, center point for our community. And with them, um, they donate, let us use their buildings. So hmm. there's a lot of people that can go in and out and use the facilities if needed in the library and there's computers in there. So it was just, a you know, working with them each year has just made us grow bigger and be able to house all the runners if needed. Um, and then as for local businesses, you know, we knock on their door and tell them what we're doing. And most of the time they're on board with, yep, I will donate. Um, Mid Michigan Health is another big one they donated all the water that we needed. So obviously runners get thirsty. And so they make sure that they stay hydrated. Um, and they have donated the water since year one. So they're, they're there every year for us. Well, that's great. Yeah. I think, I think that's also good advice to kind of hit up some of the public service, the community center, or perhaps, you know, a local fitness center that is interested mm-hmm. and has interest in community engagement with health and wellness and Mid Michigan Health is a big one for for up there. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the the last thing I wanted to touch on um, that is kind of connected to that is I know that you've learned so much and made so many connections with the community through this through the establishing the five k and over the past six uh, runnings of it. Um, what are the joys for you? Um, you know, why do you keep doing it? Um, what's the greatest joy for you in in running a five k? Sure. So I really enjoy being involved in the community. And for me, it's not just, you know, um, the people who want to run. It's it's joining. It's a time where, like, all different types of people come together. And, you know, you meet new people and you see the smiles on the kids' face when they finally cross the finish line. And you hear them say, I did it. It was my first race and I did it. And it just it brings me joy knowing that it's like, they're going to want to come back next year. They're going to want to try to do it again. And hearing from the participants, you know, just at the end of it, we put a lot of heart and soul in this. And when they come up to you and shake your hand and say, great job, we can't wait for next year. You know, it gives you that drive. Like, yes, this is why we're doing it. You know, it's it being successful and putting smiles on other people's faces is what keeps me going. That's awesome. Yeah, you had your first one mile fun run. A lot of kids yes. ran, and that was super cool to see. And um, yes, 
You know, Kelsey, you and I know a little bit of, of Michigan and in particular some of the struggles that Michigan has had over the past few decades. <laughs> um, I, I would say, you know, it's not super common in small towns to see other role models just running through town or see a race go through your town. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that has a big impact on young people to say, oh, wow, you know, look at all these older people running really fast. I, I want to go do that. So I, right. I think that's really cool that, that you have been able to start this. And I think it's going to pay off for future generations um, in the community for sure. Yes, I agree. And that's, you know, everyone wants to stay as healthy as they possibly can and to do things. So it, to be healthy and to me, just by doing this little 5K, people start gathering and making plans, you know, in February, March, like, hey, let's start running to do this. It's in our hometown, you know, so we see a lot of that activity on Facebook, you know, we post that, hey, the registration's open. That's when we see people comment, let's do this this year. We didn't get to last year. Let's try to do it this year. So it's just nice to see people engaging and wanting to do better for themselves and be in the community activities. Well, that's awesome, Kelsey. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for all the work mm-hmm. that you've done and for sharing your wisdom and starting a 5K. All right. And the last question I have, which you guys ha- I know have mentioned, chip timing versus the traditional timing, just kind of clicking through as they go. Any uh, drawback to not doing chip timing for a small race? So we didn't start with chip timing because of the minimum requirement for a chip timer. Okay. So it was um, substantially more money per runner, but then there was a a runner limit that even if you didn't hit it, you were required to pay that amount. Uh. And for a small local town, um, it's hard for us to commit to that kind of money when we don't know what money we're going to be bringing in that early on. Um, And, you know, our timer today, so he does it manually with with a system. So essentially he is the chip. And he was telling us today that he actually prefers this over chip timing because a computer can hiccup, right? Mm -hmm. That happens. There can be glitches in chip timing. At least in this case, it's human error and it's easier to spot because he has multiple people doing the exact same thing as him. And they're always checking with each other throughout that race to make sure that time's accurate. Interesting. So I think chip timing is, I think it's fantastic. And I know there's a lot of people who won't run a race without chip timing. I think at this point our race just isn't quite large enough to justify the cost and the commitment to um, chip timing. It's definitely something that's on our plate and, you know, in the back burner that maybe someday we'll get there. Just not this year. For sure. No, and I think that's how they do, as far as I know, all the smaller cross-country races, things like that, is manually, and they just have that backup, you know, those extra people volunteering. So it was it was a beautiful race, and I, I'm really happy to have taken part in it, and I'm really grateful that you guys took time to, to talk to a running anthropologist. Awesome. So. First Thank place you. in your age group. <laughs> Thanks, Kelsey. <laughs> all right. Happy running. See you guys. And the same to all of you. Really cool to have you along for the journey this time. Hopefully, if anything, we just learned a greater appreciation for uh, the 5Ks or 10Ks or whatever race that we're running. We actually have a second part to this where we'll feature another race that's a little bit different, hosted uh, on a college campus with some first-time fundraising. And I think that'll be a really interesting addition to this episode as well, featuring Dan Stacer there at FGCU, Florida Gulf Coast University. And that will be coming up the second part this week. If you know anyone that you think would benefit from the podcast or just be interested, please share it and uh, like us on Facebook. Until next time, wish you 
happy running. <laughs>